Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Hi folks, Dr. History here with another story from the Old West. So today we're going to go clear back to 1857. We're going to talk about a little six-year-old girl named Minnie Lawrence, who actually spent some time on a Bering Sea whaler. Now, a Bering Sea whaler was a floating factory, slippery with blubber and blood. It was a dangerous place for a little girl to play with her doll. But in 1857, six-year-old Minnie Lawrence was aboard such a whaler. Now, in late 1856, Minnie traveled with her mother, Mary, and her father, Captain Samuel Lawrence, to Alaska on his whaling ship, the Addison. Their home was actually New Bedford, Massachusetts, where whaling was the leading business. Captain Lawrence had been away whaling in the Pacific for most of Minnie's first five years. Minnie's mother was a spirited young woman who was tired of being home alone. She wanted to spend some time with her husband and see Alaska for herself. She also wanted Minnie to get to know her father better. Well, Mary and Samuel decided that mother and daughter would travel along for a single whaling trip. This would give the family quite a reunion since whaling voyages could last for years. Now, a whaling ship did not look like other ships. The Addison was only slightly over 100 feet long. It was strong, but it was fat and it was slow. On the deck was a great brick oven with two 100-gallon kettles for boiling blubber. Most ships had six whale boats, and each of those 30-foot boats had space for four oarsmen, a harpooner, a boat officer, and 2,000 pounds of blubber. They also carried rope, harpoons, spears, and a bomb gun. These six whale boats were the workhorses of Addison's whaling expedition. Now, the Addison set sail with a crew of 32. Everyone lived below deck. The Lawrence family had a nice stateroom, but there was only one kitchen on board the galley. Now, the first cook would not let Mary use his oven, and so the Lawrences had to eat whatever was being served to the entire crew, which wasn't always an appetizing concoction. Not only after the shift left Massachusetts, not long after, uh, the cook fell ill and he died. Well, his replacement, who hadn't really signed on to this adventure to cook, cared more for whaling than he did for cooking. He was happy to let Mary prepare meals for the entire ship when he was needed elsewhere. Now, on stopovers in Hawaii, Mary stocked up on a wonderful variety of meats, fruits, and vegetables. These were a daily part of family meals and were sometimes shared with the crew. Now, many enjoyed growing up on the ship. A few pigs and chickens were ran loose on the deck, and Minnie gave them names like Wiggy and Pinky, and she'd chase them around the deck. The sailors sang sea songs, and she joined in. Minnie's dark hair was cut chin length, and her dress hung just below her knees, covering her white pantaloons. Now, this style gave her more freedom than the long hoop skirt her mother wore. Minnie was a good mother to her china doll named Sarah. And she even had her own little tub on wash day to wash her doll's dresses. Now, it took the Addison five months to reach its goal, the headwaters of Alaska. These were the, the waters for the bowhead uh, whale. Now, a bowhead is a black Arctic 
right whale, and it skims the surface for plankton. So when I use the term bowhead, that's what we're referring to. But uh, these waters were the bowhead uh, whale's summer playground, and the Addison was one of 143 Alaskan whalers that summer in search of the bowhead. Now, Alaska belonged to Russia, but since Russia had no whaling fleet of their own, Americans were free to kill thousands of Alaska's whales and anchor at any Alaska uh, island that they wanted to. Now, the killing of whales was kind of a gruesome experience, but it was also exciting. Mary and Minnie watched their first whale hunt in awe. One of the sailors was always aloft watching for whales, and early in the day, a sailor spotted one. Well, the whale boats were immediately dropped into the water, But before the men could get into position, the whale dove. Well, the men waited anxiously for the great mammal to come up for air. They wondered if uh, they would have uh, to be able to be frantically rowing after it or be able to be ready to use their harpoons. Well, on this first day, the whale rose just a few yards away, and the boat, boat officer ordered the harpooner to fire. With as much luck and skill... The sharp point sank into the flesh, squirting blood. I told you this was a little bit uh, gory. The angry beast strained and thrashed, but the harpoon was tied to the boat. After a moment of trying to dislodge the harpoon, the whale swam toward open sea, dragging the boat behind it. Now, for many, this was one of the scariest moments in the hunt. She was afraid that the whale would pull forever and the men would disappear over the edge of the horizon. Mary, on the other hand, thought it would be even worse if the whale flipped the boat, sending the men into this ice-cold water. Well, while the first boat was being pulled, another boat shot a second harpoon. The whale, red with blood, smacked its great tail on the surface of the ocean, sending water and blood shooting into the air. Another boat joined the fight. As the great animal tired, the boats closed in, shortening their lines. Afraid to get too close, the men fired off a shot. The shell hit the whale and exploded. Once the animal was dead, the mass was dragged back to the ship. Mary and Minnie gaped at the enormity of the ravaged animal, their minds adjusting to accommodate this unimaginable size, this huge animal. Well, Mary had never given much thought to what happened to the whale after it was caught, but she soon learned that butchering was a dirty, smelly work. The whole carcass, which was 65 feet long, was held tight to the ship with one chain around the tail, and another actually went through the blowhole and out its mouth. Now, how they did that, I don't know, but a man stood on the slippery body and hacked at the spine with an axe, Blood and oil sprang back with each stroke. Minnie was terribly afraid because she realized that the whale's blood drew sharks. So looking around, she counted six of them swimming around. The man who was attacking the whale's spine kept slipping, and Minnie knew that if he lost his footing, he would pretty much fall to the sharks. Well, after hours of gruesome work, the great head hung free of its body. Pails were lowered down, and men climbed into the head, dipping out oil by the bucketful. When drained, the head was dragged on deck. With the body still tied to the ship, men climbed around, cutting the blubber into strips. The white, dense fat, which was eight inches thick, 
peeled off pretty easily. The dead whale was turned at least twice before it was totally stripped. Then the skeleton and guts were dropped to the sharks. Now back up on deck, the blubber and the tongue were chopped up and tossed into the boiling pots. Smoke blew everywhere. All of the oil was poured into barrels. The body of a large bowhead whale could be boiled down to 275 barrels of oil, which would be used for candles and lamp fuel. Now, the baleen, and let me explain what baleen is. This is what helps filter the krill. It's also referred to as whale bone, and is actually similar to our own fingernails, and it's used in corsets and buggy whips and to stiffen collars and back scratchers. So when I use the term baling, that's what it is. So the baling, which some whales have instead of teeth, was the other prized part of a whale. Baling looks extremely like long black feathers. It was ripped from the jaw and rinsed free of blood before being packed into bundles. The bowhead yield 3,500 pounds of baling a few strips of which would eventually be added to some fine lady's corset to make it stiff. Mary and Minnie stood, uh, soon learned that on a good day, a crew might kill two or even three whales before they started to butcher. So they just have them hanging or tied to the side of the ship before they would start to, the process. So it took uh, sometimes as much as three days to finish the butchering. Now, although their mission was to catch whales, sometimes the ship stopped to investigate Alaska and its people. Anchoring uh, outside a place called Unalaska Island in the Aleutians, Mary and Minnie went ashore. It felt good to walk on solid ground, and they were delighted with the colors of the treeless volcanic island, red rock, green grass, and a wealth of wildflowers. On one hillside, they stopped to eat strawberries, blackberries, and huckleberries, and they carried a great big armful of flowers back to the ship. Now, on occasion, native Alaskans paddled out to the ship to the Addison and climbed aboard. Mary and Minnie enjoyed each visit, uh, even though no one could uh, talk to each other because of the language barrier. Little Minnie tried to talk with them, which just made them laugh. Still, it was fun to see different faces and try to understand each other. Now, for many natives, this was the first time they had ever seen a white woman and girl. And when autumn rolled into winter, the Addison headed south, and the Lawrences and the crew spent four months in Hawaii. After the crew was rested and their spirits were restored by the gorgeous Hawaiian islands, the ship headed back to Alaskan waters in early spring. In the summer of 1858, the Addison hit an iceberg. Mary and Minnie turned the event into an adventure. While carpenters repaired the hull, the Lawrence family had fun visiting with other ship's officers. Well, the Addison returned to Massachusetts in 1860 with a, a pretty fair haul, 27,187 pounds of baleen, 2,442 barrels of oil. After the bills were paid, there was almost $150,000 in profit. Now, folks, back then, that was a lot of money. Now, of this, Captain Lawrence received 12500 which, again, was still a lot of money. In comparison to the cabin boy, who only earned $180. Now, of the original crew, only nine returned to Massachusetts. Two had drowned, seven had deserted, and 14 had quit. The golden age of Alaskan whaling was from about 1835 to 1860. 
But fewer ships whaled during the Civil War because the ships were needed for the war effort. And perhaps more importantly, people started filling their lamps with petroleum around about 1880. And around this time, ladies stopped wearing the baleen corsets. So, folks, the whaling era was over. Now, while New Englanders missed those glory days, the legacy in Alaska was of depleted whale populations that resulted in entire villages starving to death for lack of blubber. So a pretty sad thing for the natives uh, once again. Now, the Lawrence family never went whaling again after their return to Massachusetts in 1860. Captain Lawrence switched to Atlantic Ocean steamships, starting with a Union Army steamer. In the 1800s or 1880s, Mary Lawrence loaned her diary to a writer, and it became the basis of a novel called A Good Catch. Well, Minnie returned home as an adventurous nine-year-old little girl. Her life was somewhat solitary. She remained as an only child and never married, but she maintained her adventurous spirit. As an adult, she wrote poetry and told stories. And as an old woman, Minnie amused large crowds with her stories of the Bering Sea whaling adventure she went on as a child. And I'm going to guess she was probably the only young girl, child that ever experienced an adventure like that. So that's our story of the Bering Sea Whaling. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.